My name is Susie. I have three children, the youngest of whom struggles with anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. I never thought this could happen to me, and I miss the signs. Being a parent is really hard, but I'm here to help. I'm talking to other parents and experts to help you with the struggles that your kids may face. I want you to know that you are not alone and there is hope. I'm not a physician, therapist, or counselor. I'm just a mom. I want to see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds that keep covering up the sun. Welcome to this episode of the Just a Mom podcast, and I'm truly honored and excited about the conversation that I get to have today with a really special guest. I have in studio today, Rennie McKinney, who is the Administrative Director of Behavioral Health Services at Advent Health Shawnee Mission in Johnson County, Kansas, and Johnson County, Kansas is where I live, a suburb of Kansas City. And Rennie, I'm just really thankful that you have taken the time to be here today. Susie, I I can't thank you enough for having me and and, uh, providing the opportunity to have a very important discussion this afternoon. And that's exactly what we're going to do because you are, I believe, and I personally believe this, a leader in our community in the mental health arena. I met you a couple years ago at a uh, local suicide prevention event and we've just keep seeing each other at all these things. And that's because of the work that you are doing. So if you wouldn't mind telling our listeners what all your work entails and and what uh, Advent Health Shawnee Mission is doing in the behavioral health world. Sure. I think, um, first and foremost, my work really um, has me listening. Wherever I go, I'm listening, I'm watching. Um, Because mental health is such an incredibly important part of our lives. And when our loved ones, people that we care about are struggling, it's important that I have the eyes and the ears to be able to assist those individuals. In my actually working job uh, at Advent Health, I have the privilege of leading out on the behavioral health service line. And so I have oversight over each of our behavioral health programs. And at some point, I can can share a little bit more about those. Um, I've been doing this for an incredibly long time, uh, longer than most have been alive, it feels like sometimes. <laughs> um, but uh, that came about because I have a true passion uh, for helping others. And I had a different career path at one point in college. And um, that path was not going to lend itself to touching the lives of others. Um, and so about my junior year, I switched things up. Um, my parents weren't real excited about I that because I had a lot of hours under my belt. <laughs> but we switched it around, and, and I got a focus in psychology. And uh, since that time, uh, upon graduation, uh, I moved to the Kansas City area, to Johnson County, and have been here ever since, mm. uh, really trying to make a difference. And, you know, Susie, I, I went into this thinking that if I could impact one person, just one, yeah. then my career was absolutely worthwhile, and that change way back when uh, was well worth it. And sure enough, I I do think I have had an impact. Um, More importantly, my team uh, has had an impact on on thousands and thousands of lives here uh, in the Kansas City area. I know that you have had an impact because I have been a part of panels with you. I have watched you speak, and I see that you actually really do care about people and human beings and making a difference in people's lives. So thank you for the work that you do. 
Thank you. I, I think that when we go out, and I know you and I, I think it was last summer that we were on a panel uh, at the same event. Um, what is always amazing to me is that I'm never sure what's going to come out of my mouth, <laughs> but I'm hopeful that there's something that someone might just grab um, and take to heart, uh, knowing that there is help out there. And after every single panel or public presentation or whatever I might be involved in, I always get someone approaching at the end of the presentation or possibly an email later or a call saying, hey, that rang, rang true to myself and I, and I need some help. And so I know that what you're doing on your podcast, what I'm doing every day is, is truly making a difference. And we have to keep doing that. We need more people to, to join us. Mm, yes, for sure. You have been doing this for a couple of years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a few years. A few so mental health struggles, behavioral health issues are nothing new, right? Correct. However, we are seeing a massive increase in need um, for treatment for people saying and showing that, they're, that they do struggle with mental health issues or mental illness. To what do you attribute that change over the years? You know, one thing that for my entire career we've focused on is breaking down the stigma. And I would like to believe that we are making some headway there. So whether or not there's a higher incidence of mental illness or if individuals and families are willing without shame to step up to the plate and say, we need some help, I would really like to believe that's what's causing this significant increase. Um, I would say, however, I, I think that the pressures that happen in our society, in our school systems, in our, our jobs, within our families, um, has added to that need. And so it's, it's kind of twofold. One, we're talking more about it. Um, I challenge anyone to turn on the news and not hear something about mental health these days. Whereas 10 years ago, that would not be the case. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't open a newspaper and see it on the front right. page. Now we are. And, uh, you know, I have to applaud. I have to applaud um, our media outlets for, for embracing this and for getting it out in front mm -hmm. of everyone. So I, I think it's twofold there. I think, too, that our younger generations are leading us. Absolutely. And that has certainly been the case for me personally with my son, Will. And I just see it all all over the place where the, the teens and 20-somethings, are they're speaking up. Whereas, you know, maybe you and I were not told that it was okay to say, you know, I, I'm not feeling great right now. I right. might need some help. Right. Never in a million years back in college would I have shared with one of my girlfriends that I was seeking counseling. Mm -hmm. I would have not done that. It was incredibly quiet. Mm -hmm. Yet today, it's commonplace. Kids yep. are constantly talking, well, I went to see my therapist this afternoon. Uh, and, and we need more individuals being comfortable saying that. We see celebrities speaking up and talking about their own struggles, their anxiety, their depression, their substance use. Um, and the more we talk about it and make it part of our everyday language, the more it's acceptable. And individuals are probably much more willing to tap into those services mm -hmm. um, without a moment ago, I said shame. Mm -hmm. um, I've talked to so many patients throughout the years that are embarrassed mm -hmm. that they had to seek help. And I'm like, you know what? You are one of the strong ones. That's exactly I right. I am so incredibly proud that you're one that spoke up. Yep. Tell us how you feel like the pandemic has impacted mental health. 
Wow, that's a loaded question. <laughs> you know, if there was anything good that, that came out of the pandemic, mm. I would have to say it is the focus on on mental health, uh, that we are talking more about it. I think the downside is that that piece of isolation, yeah. the connectivity to other human beings during that two and a half, three year span, and, and definitely the one year that was so significant where we weren't able to, to be out amongst uh, our community. Um, I think that had a... a large effect on individuals' ability to cope. Mm-hmm. Um, human beings need that connection. And when it was missing um, and individuals couldn't go out and, and see somebody at church or at the grocery store or at the restaurant, uh, I, I think it, it took a toll on mm-hmm. our society. I think about the teens that, mm-hmm. that were homeschooled and the impact that that, that had. Um, and for those kids who really enjoy the socialization aspects of school, and maybe maybe even a kid that hadn't struggled before, all of a sudden were finding themselves kind of in a dark place. Yeah. Um, and so I think it, it had a huge impact, and I think we will be recovering, healing from that for years to come. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not just because we're not wearing masks today, or, or some of us aren't, um, that it's all over. Mm-hmm. Uh, the impact of it's going to last. I continue to read about the isolation, loneliness epidemic. Um, It was brought to my attention through a group that I'm in that the class of 2023 that just graduated from high school a few months ago, that their senior year was their first normal year of high school. Wow. I, you know, I hadn't even paused and thought about that. I hadn't either. Uh, I'm a mom of a 2020 graduate, although she didn't really graduate because we couldn't have a graduation. Um, And it's interesting that you bring that up because we were just talking the other day as she's getting ready to go into her senior year of college, that that freshman year, she went out of state, but she lived and she lived in the dorm. She ate in the dorm. She studied in the dorm. She attended Mm -hmm. class in the dorm. She socialized in the dorm. That was her life was the dorm. And when we picked her up that May to come back to Kansas City, I remember her saying, I I went out of here so badly. And I'm like, well, I thought you enjoyed college. And she said, Mom, I just, I've been looking at these four walls. Mm-hmm. I need out. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that isolation, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. had a bigger impact on her than I, I ever knew during mm-hmm. that school year. And I think it, it had an impact on all the kids. And mm-hmm. I say kids in a loose term, but... Anyone who was a student mm-hmm. and that, that that was their primary focus in life at that time. Yep. You, know, you think about even the young, youngest kids, preschoolers, kindergartners, first grade, you know, how they didn't go to a classroom till maybe they were in the second, third, fourth grade yeah. because yeah. of the pandemic. Right. And then you think about the adults who... You know, I dream of working from home, mm. yet my husband was forced to work from mm-hmm. home. I'm in healthcare, so I wasn't able to do that. Right. And two or three months into that home um, work stance, he he said, I just want to be back with people. Mm-hmm. For this dream of, hey, I'd like to work from home, ended up not playing out the yeah. way he thought it would. Yeah. And so the impact that, that it had on the adult world in addition to the kids. Mm-hmm. And I, I think what you said is we are going to be learning what the ramifications are for many years, for years to come. Yes. But one of the ramifications we know is an increased incidence in depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation, not only amongst kids, teens, and tweens, and 20-somethings, but adults as well. Absolutely. Very high incidence, incidence pardon me, in the 40-somethings. Mm-hmm. 
talk about the services that you guys provide, because I know there are several different services you provide, and what you're seeing either as a result of the pandemic or the loneliness epidemic, whatever we want to call it right now. Mm-hmm. So at Advent Health, um, you know, first I have to give a shout out to the organization for continuing for many years, in fact, over 50 years, of uh, su- providing services to the community. So oftentimes healthcare finds themselves in a situation where they can't afford to continue to provide uh, the mental health services. And so um, I'm very fortunate to work for an employer who um, has found that as a priority, has identified that as a priority. It's part of the strategic plan to care for the whole person. Uh, so I just I wanted to share that with you, Susie, because yes. so many hospitals let go of their, their inpatient psychiatric units. Um, you know, I wish we could let go of all of them across the nation because nobody needed them. Right. Wouldn't that be a great uh, outcome? Unfortunately, we're not there. And so um, currently we have an inpatient unit for individuals 18 and over. It's a voluntary program. So individuals who are seeking help um, and not sure where to turn can come to us. We have an assessment center that operates 24 hours a day and uh, looking to even expand that in the future where, um, you know, I've talked to actually probably friends of mine and yours who um, don't know where to turn mm-hmm. until it happens to them, and then exactly. they're at a loss. I often say when I'm doing presentations, we all know where to go when we're having heart or having chest pain, right? Yep. But when I'm having emotional pain and my heart is hurting yeah. and I'm feeling sad, I don't always necessarily know where to go. Uh, or if our loved one might be experiencing thoughts of, of taking their mm-hmm. life. Uh, so I, we have a mission right now, a, a big focus on making sure that our community knows mm-hmm. uh, where to turn. So this assessment center acts as that that kind of go between that navigation piece of let me hold your hand, and I don't mean that disrespectfully, mm-hmm. but let me let me let me uh, align with you, and let's go through this together. Mm-hmm. Um, that assessment center uh, operates out of the emergency department, but we also have appointments available to the community at no cost, where individuals can come in and we help direct. We hear their story and we help determine what is the best level of care, if any, mm-hmm. uh, that is needed at that point in time. Um, in addition to that, we have an intensive outpatient program. And you may think, well, what is that? Traditional outpatient is where I go see my therapist once a week for about an hour. Intensive outpatient is where I go in nine hours a week. So that's the term intensive. Yes. <laughs> uh, it is a group-based program, um, very focused on developing skills to better cope with life. Yes. Uh, again, I, I know I've shared with the, this with you before, Susie, but I, I think about um, how many of us have sought personal lessons to become better at something, yep. whether it be piano lessons, pickleball lessons, yeah. uh, volleyball, hitting lessons, uh, whatever it may be. I see counseling as a, a form of coaching, uh, a form of teaching, uh, providing me the lesson to cope better with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'll go back to what I said earlier is um, absolutely no shame in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no shame in, in signing up for piano lessons, right? That's right. And so let's get better at, at our, our ability to adapt, um, to address issues in our family, uh, address issues individually. Uh, so that intensive outpatient program is really designed to help with those coping skills. Uh, and then our next program uh, is our outpatient program, which is brand new. We had, had identified a gap in our services 
And so that once a patient completes that intensive outpatient program, we were sending them back to the community, which is great. There are so many incredible community providers, uh, partners of ours that I highly respect. Uh, But we did hear from our our patients that, hey, we'd like to continue. I know you guys. I trust you. Um, And so we uh, opened an outpatient clinic uh, and moved into our new space on February 1st of this year. And as I laughed with our CEO, if we open, we will be booked by Friday. Yep. And absolutely that happened. Uh, we exploded uh, from the standpoint of, of so many referrals, which, you know, once again, just speaks to the need. Yes. Um, and so we're seeing uh, individuals ages 12 and above. We would like to go younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, our psychiatrist, um, our primary psychiatrist in the outpatient clinic is board certified in children, adolescent, and also adult. So we will we'll be expanding, uh, but we need to get a little bit more space. And so that's what we're looking at right now in order to do that. Yes, and I had the opportunity not very long ago to go and tour your amazing facility and see the plans for expansion. And it's really a lovely space and doing some cutting edge type therapies. And we'll talk about that in just a second. I want to go back to what you were talking about with hospitals and hospital systems and healthcare systems closing their inpatient psych units. I know we've had this conversation. I have heard you speak about it, but I don't think the general public knows that this is happening and why it's happening. So would you just speak into that for a little while? Sure. Um, Reimbursement uh, from managed care organizations for psychiatric services is typically lower than reimbursement for, let's say, a hip surgery, a hip replacement or, um, you know, a cardiac procedure. And so as hospitals look at their bottom line and how they're going to keep their doors open, it may not be behavioral health, psychiatric care that they look to to help meet that bottom line. Uh, and so one thing that, that my team at the hospital uh, is constantly doing is advocating uh, for increased reimbursement so that we can continue providing that care. I will say, uh, again, very thankful that our hospitals made the determination, no matter what the reimbursement is, we're going to mm-hmm. provide whole person care. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's our tagline. You hear that on our advertisements. And, and I think we're living that mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we're living that mission. And so I think it, we. I think the public needs to know that, that it is tough. The other thing is there's a higher uh, rate of uninsured uh, within the patients who are seeking psychiatric services. Part of that is probably because they have struggled. They don't know where to turn. They aren't able to hold a job, so therefore now they're unemployed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it it presents the kind of that spiral effect or snowball mm-hmm. effect mm-hmm. where um, I was functioning, I'm not functioning, now I've lost my job, and and those individuals need help too. Yep. They really do. Yeah. And so we provide a, a fair amount of, of uncompensated care as well. Okay. I have sent several people to... Um, the Advent Health Shawnee Mission emergency room when a mom has called me in a crisis with an over 18-year-old child because we know it doesn't matter how old they are, they are still our children. They're always our children. They are always our children. And I get calls all the time saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go for help. Um, And I have sent people and I have friends who have had children, inpatient um, at 
your hospital and have had fantastic experiences in terms of the care that they've received. So I just want to put that plug in because I have personal, yeah, not I can't say personal, but I have next to close personal experience um, with the kind of treatment that uh, you guys are providing to our community when people are often having their worst day ever. When they are having their worst day, mm-hmm. their darkest moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Oh, and a, speaking of darkest moment. Yeah, Susie. <laughs> well, we'll just keep on recording and hope that the lights come back on. This is fun. Now I can't see Susie if anybody's <laughs> wondering, but we're sitting here in the dark. This is that's a first. Okay. You know what? I love um, being a part of the first. Well, I really hey, do. <laughs> you know, you're just a trendsetter. So there we'll keep go. talking and hopefully it doesn't get too hot in here and the power comes back on. Yeah. We'll do you be think fine. we've had a power overage? I'm guessing with the heat out there today. Wow. Okay. Great day for that. All yeah. right. Anyway, sorry. Um, one thing I was going to say is I, I really appreciate those referrals when mm. you send someone to the emergency department. But a moment ago when I was talking about that assessment center, yes. if an person is not in emergent danger, yeah, but maybe in urgent need, this assessment center could fill that um, that need by having a full assessment where you don't have to go into the emergency yes. department. Um, definitely there are times where we have to get an uh, individual into a very safe environment because either they're a danger to themselves, possibly to someone else. Mm-hmm. And so absolutely going into an emergency department is, is the best bet. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're just really struggling and not sure where to go and, and uh, we need some additional resources and stuff, tapping into that assessment center uh, is always an option. Is that a unique situation to Advent Health Shawnee Mission, the assessment center, or do other health systems have something similar? Because this is the first time, I mean, well, mm-hmm. not this moment, but conversations and, and presentations I've heard from you about that, that's new for me, new information. Right. Yes, I think that there are several out there. Um, I um, don't really know how all of them operate, but for ours, um, we're open Monday through Friday, and uh, we do ask that people have an appointment. That way I can make sure that when you walk in the door, we're going to have a therapist, mm-hmm. a licensed therapist in the state of Kansas, who is um, very skilled at meeting individuals where they're at. Um, and we want to make sure we have somebody readily available right when you come in. Um, we typically book out maybe 24 hours, if that. So if it's an urgent situation, we're going to get you in mm-hmm. uh, quickly. Um, and, uh, from there that assessment occurs and then we determine, gosh, what would be the best fit for you? And we would involve family in that assessment as well. Uh, we think it's very important, um, that we all have support. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, if an individual doesn't have that, we're going to help them figure out what kinds of supports are available within the community. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes that means the individual will be referred to our intensive outpatient program. Sometimes it means to the outpatient clinic that we just opened, mm-hmm. um, possibly to the inpatient unit. And sometimes it's, it's right back out to the community. Uh, let's get you some support groups going on. Mm. Um, so it just runs the gamut. I, I think that's such, it seems like that should be the model that everyone is using. I mean, I don't know anything. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. Just a I'm just a mom. Uh. <laughs> However, it seems to me like that makes so much sense to work that model to get someone assessed quickly and figure out what level of care they need. Because as you and I know, it can take weeks, if not months, to get an appointment, 
with a private therapist, counselor, psychiatrist, etc. Mm-hmm. And so that makes a lot of sense to me. Speaking of taking months, weeks to get an appointment, uh, what? Well, I, this is actually this is a loaded question because I was reading uh, yesterday about I read your um, when you went to the Kansas legislature oh. to change the number of hours that um, a licensed social worker needs uh, in order to be able to provide services um, to help people. Mm-hmm. So obviously, this is something you're very passionate about because of the provider shortage. What would you say about that? Uh, thrilled that the legislature agreed with us. Yes. Um, it, once an individual gets their master's degree, either in psychology or social work, um, it takes 4,000 additional postmasters to become licensed in the state of Kansas. I guarantee you, Susie, that I will know working side by side with a, a therapist whether or not they're qualified to practice clinically way before the 4,000 hours. And so <laughs> yeah. we were advocating to reduce that. One, it's very costly. It's very time-consuming. In rural Kansas, people were having to drive an hour and a half to get their clinical supervision. Mm. It just didn't make sense. Um, and so we were able to get that reduced both for social workers and and therapists, individuals with a master's in psychology, down to 3,000 hours. Um, and so then that's releasing additional therapists into the community who can, pri- can practice privately. Uh, and, and that's at a time where we need it Absolutely. more than ever. That's a huge uh, so, win. Uh, anytime we have an opportunity to advocate at the state house, we're over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to um, know our our congressmen and women and make sure that they know what our needs are. Mm-hmm. Uh, another big win was uh, getting the nine eight eight phone um, number. And still today, I'm finding people that don't know what that is. Yep. So if anybody on the call doesn't know, uh, if you dial nine eight eight. Uh, you will be connected with a healthcare professional that specializes in behavioral health, and they're there to listen and yeah. to talk and help get you connected to resources. Yes. Um, you do not have to be suicidal to make that phone call. That's right. You also don't have to be the person in crisis to make that phone call. That's right. You, Susie, can make that phone call for a friend and just get some guidance and some direction. Um, And so uh, the anniversary date of the one-year mark just occurred uh, mid-July. And uh, we're excited that that the volume of calls are coming in uh, with the belief that individuals are tapping into services. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think over the course of time, we'll find out more as we study uh, the calls and the outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm thrilled that the nation has embraced that. Yes. Uh, again, 10 years ago, I would have never thought this would have Isn't happened. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And I just read that there have been 5 million calls nationwide, calls or texts in the first yeah. year. 5 million. Yeah. And That's so I guess, thank people. you for saying text too. Yes. You can text calls that number. Text. And I tested it. I, I tried it. <laughs> it and works. sure enough, yeah. it ended up, I got to hold somebody I knew because uh, I'm in the field. Yeah. Um, but okay. yeah, I wanted to make sure that it was mm-hmm. working. This was yeah. back a year ago. But I wanted to make sure yeah. uh, if we set up a new system that I wanted to make sure it worked. And it does. Yes. And Shanna Burgess from Johnson County Mental Health, who was a guest on the podcast, in the first season said the best thing about 988 and I have repeated it a bazillion times but it you don't have to wait until it's crisis enough be, to call 988 absolutely just pick up the phone and call absolutely let's talk a little bit and I know it's warm in here so thankfully we're 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 getting close let's talk a little bit about your new space, your outpatient program, some of the different 
um, modalities that you guys are using uh, so that our listeners can maybe learn a little bit about those and be looking into them if they think that that might be helpful to them or someone that sure. they know or love? Sure. Um, so first and foremost, we have some psychiatrists who, um, you know, they are physicians. Uh, they're very intelligent, but we were very intentional on hiring people who are also very compassionate. And um, over and over and over again, I get to hear uh, the incredible work that they're doing. The patients want to talk to me and, mm-hmm. and come by my office and say, hey, I want to share my experience. Um, and so they're uh, providing medication management, uh, possibly the first time a person's been on a medicine, or maybe a patient has been on a medication and they're just stuck. Things aren't good or bad, they're just stuck. Mm-hmm. And so the doctor can really evaluate that. Uh, we're using some gene site testing, uh, which is where we get a swab out of the individual's mouth, we mail it off, and we look at their DNA to find out. And who knew you could do this? You could right. find out what medications are more likely to work for your chemical makeup uh, versus ones that might not. Um, we've had patients that say, oh my gosh, Uh, In fact, I'll quote a 67-year-old gentleman that came to us and said he's been depressed since he was 17 and never has felt relief from this. And Mm. through both the the medication management, this Mm. gene site testing and therapy, for the first time he's getting his life back. Mm. Uh, He did give me permission to share his story Mm. um, and to see him tell that and to actually smile. Mm. uh, I can't tell you that, Susie, that's why I'm in the the business I'm in. It is amazing. Um, We also are offering TMS. And if you're not familiar with that, that's transcranial magnetic stimulation. We do deep TMS, which is a magnetic pulse that goes, you come in and and the doctor's going to map your brain to find out where he needs to target this this pulse that goes into the brain. Um, You can come in, sit in the chair for 19 minutes, and then go right back to work. You can drive yourself. uh, So it's not um, invasive. Um, the way I described it, I sat in the chair, I received a treatment, um, is if a woodpecker were to be on the side of my head, I've not had a woodpecker on the side of my head, but if I did, (laughs) it would feel like tapping, like Mm. tap, 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 tap. And it does that for two seconds and then it's off for 10. Um, and we're seeing some really good results with that. People who have had that treatment resistive depression, nothing seems to be working. They've tried scads of medications, Mm -hmm. Mm um, they come in and are, are getting some relief again for the first time. That's amazing. Um, the one challenge is being able to have that commitment to time because you do have to come into the clinic mm-hmm. once a day uh, for 20 visits. Okay. Um, and, then, and then we spread them out after that. Um, but some really good results from that. Uh, in addition, we're looking to um, provide some specialty intensive outpatient programs uh, where um, we'll have some specialty populations, whether that be first responders or mm. – um, professionals or women or, I mean, adolescents, we can do all Mm -hmm. different things. And as we expand, we uh, intend to to bring some additional services in as well. Which is, of course, very needed because the pandemic brought about, again, it it didn't bring about, but it it has shined a light on um, some really significant needs um, that different populations have in terms of mental health. Talk about your expansion 
and the expansion plan, which is really exciting. Right. So our first phase, phase one, is completed, and that is this new outpatient clinic, uh, getting it set up and getting the staff hired um, and the right staff, as I mentioned. And so we've opened. We're currently undergoing a campaign uh, to raise some additional funds in order to further expand the outpatient clinic as well as that intensive outpatient program that I just mentioned. We would like to house those in the same building. Uh, and so um, there's a lot of energy and excitement uh, working on um, the blueprints, the design, uh, trying to create an environment that is not um, sterile. And, well, obviously it's clean, but uh, the images you may get from watching TV shows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and unfortunately, the, the movie industry have not been kind to psychiatry. Uh, in many ways and and, and portrays this cold, um, locked environment, and that's not what we're about. Right. And so we're working with some individuals, some architects that have actually behavioral health experience um, and backgrounds and trying to design um, our programming and our environment both um, in a very warm, um, comforting uh, way. We are also, through this expansion, looking at um, renovating our inpatient unit. Right now, I have to laugh and say uh, we're not the prettiest one out there, uh, but we really tap into that quality. Mm. And so we would love to have the environment, um, some some renovations made to make sure that we're meeting the needs of the patients uh, while providing that quality care. And I will put this information along with the different modalities in the show notes so that if people are interested in supporting this effort, they can do that. They can learn more about the different treatment modalities uh, that, you, that you've that you mentioned. Um, and as I, I would we, welcome anyone to, we can put my call, my number in there as well if oh, I want to call or you, email. And You might be sorry you said oh, that. Oh, no, so. I would never be sorry. I love to talk. <laughs> um, but if anyone had specific questions, okay. and we'd also probably want to include that assessment center phone number. Okay. Because as I said earlier, yeah. sometimes there's something that's said during conversation that somebody says, boy, I think I'm going to reach out. Yep. And I want to make sure that that number is readily available. And that's a huge reason why you're sitting here and why I have been incorporating more resources into the Just a Mom podcast because every single parent that I have talked to to date, and it's getting to be a large number, has said, I didn't know what to do and I didn't know who to call mm-hmm. when my child had a mental health crisis. So we obviously have an education issue. So that is something that I'm trying to do with the podcast in addition to sharing stories Um, of parents and those with lived experience with mental health issues. So thank you for bringing um, this information to light and the amazing services that you guys are providing at Advent Health Shawnee Mission in the behavioral health department. Do you have uh, a substance abuse um, program as well? We do. Okay. We do. And so individuals that are are struggling uh, with substances uh, can participate both on the inpatient unit where we would do subacute detox, uh, or they could be, or I should say, and or they could be in our intensive outpatient program. Um, And not everyone that... uh, is working towards making that life change have to go through the inpatient unit. We just do that assessment and determine again, which is the best level of care to meet their needs at that time. And I would guess that that, that department or that program is also probably full to the brim and then some. Um, yeah. Often so. there's a, a wait list to get into yeah. the intensive outpatient program, but that's why we're we're looking towards yeah. this, this expansion okay. uh, so that we can accommodate the patients that are coming to us. Excellent. 
what have I not asked you that you want to make sure and tell the listeners either about the programs that you have or about mental health in general or an encouragement to the listeners? Never underestimate what someone's going through. I sometimes hear from parents that'll say, well, I think Sally was just attention seeking. You know, if Sally has to go to whatever extent to attention seek, let's listen to her. Yeah. Let's get her some help. Um, and so not, I, I know that when I was in high school, I was truly, truly in love. It's different than the love I have now as an adult in my relationship with my husband. But at the time, it was a very important love. Mm -hmm. And so for a parent to understand when there's breakups or where kids are struggling, that, that this is very real to them. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I would, I, encouragement would be from age one at the supper tables. First of all, get around the supper table. Yes. <laughs> Have time together. Put your phones down. And then we can talk about that on five more broad, uh, <laughs> podcasts. But, uh, and, and have a conversation. Not, how was your day, Susie? Mm, but tell me one good thing about your day. Mm -hmm. Hey, Susie, why don't you tell me one thing that didn't go so well about your day? And really start those conversations. And that actually applies to husband and wives or girlfriends and girlfriends. It applies to everyone. Have conversation. So that when a crisis occurs... We already have that relationship built where I can now openly share with you. Hmm. We talk about that very thing a lot on the Just a Mom podcast. And I always say, I wish I had heard all of these episodes. Let's see, my oldest is almost 26. So 27 years ago wow. before I had yeah. a child. Yeah. So that I would have incorporated the different types of questions and parented a little differently. Can't go back. So I hope to be going forward and helping to educate parents of young children. It is never too young to start talking about mental health. 100% agree. Anything well else? <laughs> um, just not to be hesitant to ask for help. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it is not seen as a weakness. It yes. is actually a strength to be able to say, hey, I'm at a point where I need to lean in and I can't do this alone. And that's okay. It's okay. It's okay to not be okay. It is okay to not be okay. And to ask for help. Rennie McKinney, Advent Health, Shawnee Mission, um, wonderful mental health advocate in our community, in our city, in our state. Thank you for being here on the Just a Mom podcast, and thank you for sweating it out with me here, literally. <laughs> We're still in the dark, if anyone is wondering. We're still in the dark. Uh, uh, but thank you so much yeah. for, for sharing your expertise and wisdom on thank this episode of the Just a Mom podcast. Right. Thank you, Susie. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or ideation, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988 if you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please share this with your friends and anyone you think may find these interviews helpful. Thanks again for listening to Just a Mom.